Hey folks, Brian here. Today we have a really awesome guest with us. Um, we actually met and really started to interact because of our mutual friends, um, Chris Solo from the Fable 42 Twitch stream and the D&D Coalition. We actually really kind of solidified our friendship here <laughs> with um, a meat grinder game that we played during the recon. Uh, Arthur, how are you doing? I'm doing, doing, doing good. Uh, yeah, that virtual, that that uh, virtual Gary kind of meat grinder game was rough, man. Wow. It really Boy, was. was that rough. I, I honestly <laughs> did not expect to live that long. Um, obviously, you know, it is a meat grinder, so I shouldn't yeah. have been so foolhardy. But <laughs> nevertheless, it was it was rough, man. It yeah, was. It definitely was. So how? So you know, one of the things I want to introduce to the audience is. You know, we know each other from social media, but if you don't mind telling you the audience a little bit of, you know, what's your background with uh, tabletop games? Well, I mean, I started with Dungeons and Dragons, obviously, because that's what, you know, especially because I started when I started playing, it was 1981. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm an old guy here, so I'm, I'm, I'm one of the old, the old ones. So I started in 81 when I was like 10, 11 years old. Cool. So I'm so I, I've been playing for about 37 years now. Um, started with D and D, basic D and D and D, you know the old, you know like a purple box, and then mm-hmm. then it got into the expert set and all and all that kind of stuff. We started there, <clears throat> made it through to like you know first edition, second edition, third edition, fourth, fifth. I've been I've been through it all. I've I've played and owned most books at one point in time. I probably owned all of them, but oh nice, yeah. Now, is um, do you only play D&D, or do you play other tabletop games as well? Oh, no. Throughout the years, I've played a ton. In fact, you know, today's a Friday that we're taping this, and Friday night is my game night, and we're actually in the middle of a Champions uh, game right now. Oh, sweet. So we're doing some superheroes here in a, in a, a, few, in a, a few hours. Nice. That's awesome. I, yeah, um... but, I've, but I've done most things. I mean, I've played... Tons of champions. Uh, before champions, before we knew about champions, we we played the old Marvel superhero game. Yep. Um, I've played Roll uh, Roll Master, which I love. is a great great system. Um, champions uh, like all the masquerade stuff. So all the vampire, werewolf, mage, yeah. all that stuff. I mean, there's a lot of games out there that I've at least tried a little little a bit. Only mm-hmm. like the ones that I mentioned were more the ones that kind of stuck around. <clears throat> And it's funny that you mentioned that. Um, I actually, um, some of the audience, um, they do know this, but some folks don't. I loved, you know, Heroclix. That was a big love mm-hmm. of mine. Um, when it came to card games, it was Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, yep. Yu-Gi-Oh. You know, I played all that. I um, actually ha- am now playing and trying to introduce to my gaming group more Heroclix, uh, Game of Thrones, the miniature game. Which, by the way, folks, if you ever want to purchase a game and have awesome minis, that's one of the games. Um, really? You know, it's it's fun, and it's funny that you mentioned that about your kind of like, you know, stream of of additions through D and D. What has been one of those kind of like big moments within D and D that you really? It, it kind of makes you think, wow, I really enjoy this game. I really love. Um, this thing about Dungeons and Dragons. Well, I mean, you know, so I I came up through D and D through and through the say the whole say 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 like uh, say of uh, Titanic Panic, right? Mm, so there was yeah. there was I actually have done I have a, a presentation that I that I've done in the public on the Satanic Panic for Dungeons and Dragons in the 80s. Um, really? And yeah, I've done a lot of I've done a bit of research on it. Um, I was supposed to do a second one here just a few weeks ago before the COVID hit, and now I can't yeah. go and go and go and do it, so it got canceled. But um, I mean, when I was playing back in the '80s, you know, I was 10, 11 years old, and all my, you know, the people that I ended up becoming very good friends with for many, many years um, were born out of this, right? I mean, the yeah. I had one friend in high school, or I mean, in middle school, who. Uh, uh, he was also my friend in high school and afterwards, but in middle middle school, he lived down the road from me. He rode my bus, and I don't know how. I don't even really remember exactly how it happened because it again 37 years years ago. But um, somehow we got talking about it, and he was like, "Hey, I have this game. Do you want to come and try it?" And that was kind of it. You know, I got hooked immediately, like everybody does. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and for me at the time, it was 
you know, I was a skinny little nerd who had no friends because I just moved to the area. You know, I moved to this area and within days I found this one guy who, you know, befriended me. We played D&D and and Mm -hmm. eventually played D&D and it kind of took off from there. Um, so like, you know, again, you mentioned that you've had like these, you know, longtime friends where you've played D and D and you've played, you know, I, I'm assuming you've also probably played table other games with them and whatnot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, now has that community like that you grew up with, like, did you notice that the community, especially with the satanic panic after it's been, you know, and I don't, you know, that's one thing I would love to ask you a little bit more. Like, have you seen the community stronger in your area after, you know, post-Satanic Panic, or did it kind of die down and then resurge again? Um, I mean, I think for a long time it stayed pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, but up until, I mean, I really think uh, Fifth Edition has been amazing for Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know if it just happens to be the right timing, uh, if it just happens to be that you know, finally some people who were nerdy and celebrities like Joe Man Joe Manganiello decided to come out of the come out of the D and D closet and start talking about it. I'm not sure what actually sparked it, or if it's just the fact that board games have become more like pop more popular. Mm-hmm. You know, they start selling Settlers of like Catan and Target. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, all these people who were into board games, which when they said that, they meant like Monopoly. Yeah. Uh, you know, they start playing these more Euro games and com- the complex games. I don't yeah. know if maybe that made it a little more acceptable, but whatever made it more acceptable, I feel like 5th edition has really been the edition that has kind of pulled this out more, you know? I would agree with you. Um, it's something I was actually talking to a couple of people um, on this uh, couple of, you know, I've talked about it a couple of days ago um, for sure, but I've talked to folks on different episodes of the podcast where we right, we are right now in the, what I'm calling almost like the pre-Renaissance of the gaming, you know, popularity, I guess you can say. We typically, as gamers, follow the video game trend. Um, it's just something I've noticed culturally that, you you know I think last year um, one particular person won the Fortnite Cup, winning three million dollars. We have Critical Role raising over ten million dollars for their Kickstarter. Uh, Matt Colville raising you know a million dollars in like the first you know I think 24 48 hours of having um, strongholds and followers live on Kickstarter. I think what's going on is that. We are living in a time, kind of like what you said, we have folks in the community who can be advocates of the of, of the hobby and have really talked about what they've seen. Also, 5th edition is really easy to kind of get into in the regards there's not a lot of barriers um, holding you back. Technology also in, you know, adds to it. There's a lot of different factors where we're like, oh, okay, I personally, you know, I personally think that in the next five years, we're going to be seeing more streams and more um, podcasts like this. We're going to be seeing a lot more content creators in the D&D and tabletop gaming. Heck, maybe even in the like trading card game space, in the comic book space, all that good stuff. And, and again, speaking about streams, um, are, how do you view streams? I, I, I know you're involved in a couple, but I know, I, if I, if, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe you DM a particular stream. So how, you know, how do you like the streaming aspect and where do you see that going? So I actually really like the streaming aspect. Like I like streaming. Um, for those that don't know, I have a stream on Twitch TV slash Vorpal board, um, which is called river break. Uh, the guys that make Vorpal board software, they came to me, uh, end of last year, I, th- I think it was, and mm-hmm. told me they were kickstarting this software and they wanted me to run a D and D stream on their, on their Twitch, um, and I agreed to do it. Um, and I really enjoy it. Like I really enjoy doing it. Before that, um, for those who maybe do do or don't 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 know, on the up up down down channel on YouTube, uh, which is with the WWE, I was the DM for Rollout season one and season two. Oh, sweet. 
So they, they, uh, I got to, I had the privilege of sitting down with, uh, season one was four wrestlers and season two was six of them. Uh, which is also why in my river break game, Ember Moon plays, plays with us because she was one of my players in rollout and we've maintained a friendship since, since then. And, uh, so when it was time to find another, uh, find another person to play river break, she was a quick te- text message away, and she hopped right in and was happy to join us and play some D&D. So. That's awesome. I, yeah. that's, that's really cool how folks in the kind of celebrity world are coming into the hobby and saying, oh, this is cool, whether they played it or not. I think that's actually a pretty cool um I think that's just something about our community, about the inclusiveness of our community. Um, with with streaming and whatnot, one thing that I do want, I've always you know talked to folks about and always like to get their opinion. What do you um, find a little bit of a barrier with streaming uh, in the current condition? Obviously, like we know in the future, things are going to be a little bit different. So... We understand, I mean, obviously, like, when I, when I mean different, I mean, like, technology is going to grow, right. things of that nature. What do you think right now is a barrier um, for folks who even want to become a streamer? So I think uh, I think the hardest part that I've seen for me has been just growing an audience. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you're there's a lot of stuff out there. And, you know, there's uh, weird times, like when do you, when is, you know, there's all sorts of things that say when the metrics are for when is a good time to stream. Like we stream every other Wednesday, mm-hmm. we'll be streaming, we'll see, what's today, the 17th. So Wednesday, the 22nd yes, is our next, yeah. yeah. Wednesday, the 22nd is our next stream. Uh, and it's at one o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern Standard Time. So it's okay. kind of an odd time, but because the Warple Board guys had found out that people like to watch streams while they're at work. Yep, I now, love, uh, now, that's what I do. Right, so now obviously we're not at work right right now, most most people because of the whole COVID thing. But So that's why we kind of did that. But, you know, it's, it's growing that stream. It's growing, it's getting people to show up and watch. Um, so mm-hmm. I think we have a pretty good product. I mean, I have uh, Ember Moon is one of my players. Chris Sims, who's a big, big name, if anybody recognizes his, yeah. his yeah. name. Chris wrote most of fourth edition. He wrote a lot of the beginning of fifth fifth edition, wrote for third edition. Um, and he's just a really cool dude. Um, we have inked inked mage, Dan, who, yeah. who's, on, who's on Instagram, who's a really good follow and he's a good player. We have Brianna flame, another yeah. good, good Instagram follower. She's awesome. She's, she's, uh, she's been a guest on the show. Yep. And then we have Thad, who is one of the, one of the Vorpal board guys. And he wanted to, and he wanted to be playing, so he's jumped on, and he started, and he's been on Fabled 42 with Solo, and he's yeah. done some stuff with Solo and everything. So, I mean, I think we have a really good mix of players, um, and I think the content's pretty good. I mean, I'm, I'm, I work on it a lot. It's my home, my own homebrew world that my wife and I write. Um, oh, sweet! And so we do a lot of work on that. Uh, and you know, I think we're making some interesting stories. So it's mm-hmm. just a matter of getting people to show up. And watch, which is why when you were like, "Hey, you want to come to an interview?" I was like, "Hell, hell, yeah!" Because I want to, <laughs> I want to get my name out there and get the stream out there and get people to come and watch it. Because I, I think we're having, we're having, I mean, we're having fun. So as far as that goes, we're successful, right? The whole point yeah. is having a good time, and that's what we're doing. Um, I would like more people to join in on our good time and be around for it, you know. And, you know, and that's the thing, too, like you're going to see that when when the players and the DM are having fun, you're you as an audience member are going to be able to see that you're going to see how the game um, kind of just comes to life because of that inner party, inner, you know, person, interperson rather um, joy that you get from doing something you love. And I think that um, with. A homebrew, which again, I, I personally love home, homebrew games. Nothing wrong against running a module, but I think homebrew allows you to kind of express yourself as an individual. Um, what is your take on um, balancing kind of high magic, crazy, epic fantasy, and then you know, with some realism, right? Yeah. You know, what what do you think? How do you try to find that balance? When you're when you are homebrewing for your for your stream, yeah, I mean, uh, right now what I'm running is my homebrew is, is River Break, which is a city mm-hmm. um, on an island. It's the only city on this particular island. Uh, as the players will learn, as they they haven't really learned it all yet, but as they'll learn as they go along, you know, it's a very 
uh, high magic area. Um, mm-hmm. This city happens to be, um, they have all sorts of magic schools and stuff here. Most of the most powerful spellcasters in the world come from this island in the city. Um, I kind of, you know, when I wanted to start homebrewing my own world, so to speak, I wanted to start off with one really cool city mm-hmm. um, with the thought of it maybe sometime in the future I'd make a book out of it. And if I did, it could That'd be, be cool. like a city anybody could drop into any campaign that they were playing in, right? Yeah. Drop this city in there. And start doing their thing with it. I've got some great maps that a friend of mine drew for me. Um, we we got a lot going going on with it. We've done we've put a lot of writing into this thing um, for various all sorts of various things like. You well, know, if you ever need someone to play test, just let me know. Just saying. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> I I love I love that. That's one thing. Like I know you and I were on a panel during the virtual Gary Con, yep. and one thing that I I really love that you talk you you spoke about was how you created like when when you created um your world and just it was really it and correct me if i'm wrong but it there was an instant where you said that like the legends speak about how the gods like tra- traversed through that area yeah and then how the geography kind of like again from a maybe like a you're the people in the world right culturally or or um you know whatever other form said oh we're gonna name it this because this is what the gods did, or hey, this is actually, you know, how science explains of it, or whatever. Um, I really enjoy that. I really think that that type of creativity is what makes homebrew so unique, yeah. and that makes, you know, a stream like yours that's unique and that people can watch and say, oh, I haven't seen this before because this is a whole different world. And you and, and you mentioned you have how many streamers do you or how many uh, players do you have on your stream right now? So uh, right now the five five regular players. Okay. We have a, we have occasionally thrown like a sixth person in. Like we had Chris oh, from cool. Axe and Shield on the last time. So Axe and Shield is one of those people who has sent us in stuff to get to give away and, and such on our stream. We we, we give away we, we give away stuff almost every single stream. We give well, something away. Well, all right, away. folks, you know what to That's do. That's right. We either yeah exactly. Um, we either give give away like virtual books for D and D and Beyond, oh, cool. or a lot of time we have actual product as well um, that we've that we give cool. away every single single stream um, because we again community right the great thing about D and D is is the community of people and the community have been great about hey you know we we see what you're doing we would like to give you something to give away on your stream. You know, um, and, yeah, yeah. and that's what I think is great. Like downstairs, I have one of the first Hero Forge printed color minis oh, that they sent me. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. That's, that's it's really, it's really cool. All right, well, I'm going to New York. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm getting off right now. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And I'm just, I, as... I have to tell you, they're in person. They are incredible. And if it's that, really going to be like ten bucks more for it, I, I, I can't tell you how much that's worth it. It's if, you're, if, if you know, not that we're endorsed or anything by, at least I'm not endorsed by Hero Forge, but shout out to Hero Forge. Yeah. I have played around with Hero Forge, and I am actually, I'm thinking about purchasing a, you know, a mini. It's my Dragonborn Paladin that I I play for Behold the D and D podcast uh, for one of the campaigns and. I mean, just the detail and the the ability to customize is just fantastic. And I'll tell you what, I'm not I am not a painter by any means, <laughs> but I am definitely a connoisseur of minis. And <laughs> you know, I will lay some money down. I uh, yeah. If if you if if people have seen my post recently, I did I I, I made a meme of my. <laughs> love of minis and uh someone was like oh, i think you should really like save money and i was like of course i'm gonna save money i mean i'm, I'm not gonna like go bankrupt here but right, i just right. really really love minis so anyone yeah. who really wants to send me minis i would be eternally obliged no but anyway actually if i was a warlock that would be my patron is like some mini minis yeah, like some minis. God minis. that would just be my patron and i would just be a sucker for that but but anyway i, I digress no you mentioned something about community, and I think it's really important that, you know, folks, if you know whether you've only played D and D or 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 have even just heard of it through like social media or maybe like, I mean, I know Big Bang Theory, they had several episodes where they mentioned it, you know, in pop culture, 
like, or whether you are a veteran of the game, like, you all can attest to the fact that the community is something that's extremely special. Like, we are almost overprotective over our own. And I like to get your thoughts on that. Like, what do you think the community, especially nowadays with everything that's going on in the world, like, how do you see the community right now? Um, I mean, I think it's the best it's it's ever it's ever ever been. And you know, one of the things that so the Vorpal board guys um, contacted me and said, "Hey, it happens to be they live in my in my area. One of them lives five minutes down the road from me. Another one lives oh, like forty. Awesome. Yeah, another one lives like forty five minutes away. So we kind of were you know we kind of ran ran into each other at a local con, started started talking, and that's how they kind of came at me. But they were talking about how difficult the board game community is. They're like, mm-hmm. you know, they their software, the Warp Board software, is literally so that you can play board games with your friends over the internet yep. without without paying extra. You just take your physical board and put it on the on the table, and your friend, you know, you could see my board, and I can you move pieces around and stuff. I mean, it's really good, really good stuff. Yeah, but, I'm, I'm not endorsed by them, but no. I've spoken to them, and I love the concept where yeah. you can take essentially all the physical games that you that you have, and you can play it using their software. It's 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 yeah. really phenomenal. Yeah, which is really really great. And and so they were talking about how hard it was to. They were contacting board games because what they wanted to do at first was they wanted to. Um, uh, take the board games and they wanted to have them on their stream because mm-hmm. they have their stream at that that they've been doing playing board 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 games and yeah. they were having a heck of a time getting board game community people to like donate a, one copy of their game so that they could show it on their stream and stuff Interesting. and then yeah and then they got in touch with me now granted I had a lot of contacts because of rollout so I had contacts okay. with many companies who had sent me product in the past and stuff but I mean, I was able to get six, seven, eight companies on board to just send us stuff. Well, that's one, awesome. You know, so that were that were like, yes, let's do this. You know, and and people like Chris from Action Shield and um, Kevin from Galadoria Games, who were just like, look, we just want the community to be better and better, and all of us mm-hmm. to work to work like together to make really cool stuff. And so you get like the attitude was very different compared yeah. to. The one side compared to the other, not down in board games at all, because I have hundreds of them. I love them. I play them all the all the time. For sure. Um, but it just seems like, at least lately in the D and D community, and as you've seen with like uh, the D and D coalition and stuff, there's yeah. a lot of people out there wanting to work together to just make the game and the experience better. What people don't realize is like, and again, the D and D coalition is an example of that where. It's a network of people. It is a network of felt, you know, f- you know, like-minded individuals who really want the industry and the hobby to be better. Yeah. And it's not, you know, some folks. And I think this is where the difference is. A lot of board game companies view everything as a competition, right? You know, we. And again, that's okay. It, it's understandable. You are, you know. You are in a sense competing, but you don't. You're not competing in the same way that people think. My experience, my my career experience, you know, my quote unquote day job, plus my you know my experience gaming is that when we actually all work together, then we actually help each other out and help the community in general out. Like personally, I don't think like you know with Vorpal Board. It's not a competition. Most board game companies don't want to make a digital copy of their game because it takes right. away from the spirit of their game. And it's, you know, and again, their software is that where you, whatever you've purchased. So for, I'm going to use Hero Clicks because that's not D and D, right? Like that we can we can actually say, yep, that's a totally completely game. Um, you can really take your Hero Clicks game and apply it to. With with Vorpal Board and still play with your friends. Like, yeah, you can absolutely. continue having game night, whether it's through you know with the time that you know with what we're going through right now, uh, pandemic wise. Obviously, like this is a great, it's an even better incentive. But now you can say, hey, you know what? I'm actually going to play with my friends that live way across. You know, all my play all my players uh, that I play with on Behold the D and D podcast, we're in different states. Yeah. Like, and we have to use, I'm not going to name what, 
but we have to use other video conferencing services in order to play. Right. And that's great, but like Vorpal Board, and again, I and you know, going back to everything, Vorpal Board makes is a it's built by the community. It's with the you know they have the community in mind. And I yeah. like what you were saying. I think the community is way stronger. I would 100% agree with you. The community is very strong at the moment, and we are we're it's almost like we've banded together even more than we normally do during this time. Yeah. Now, um, with all that said, one thing that I always like to ask folks is, you know, where do you see D&D in the next five years? Like we are, I mean, obviously like we're in this like awesome Nirvana state, but like, where do you see D&D in the next couple of years? I mean, I, I think it's just going to continue to get stronger. I think we're going to see more. I mean, I, it's not unlike the pandemic, right? It's, yeah, it's spreading sure. to it's spreading everywhere. I just um, I had uh, so I'm a nurse by a, by a day, and oh, I was awesome. and I was working last week, and I um, because of the pan pandemic, other areas of the hospital that normally they would be working are shutting down because we're not doing like elective surgeries and stuff. Mm -hmm. So they're moving nurses around. And I worked with this nurse for the first time in a long time. Um, and she was saying how her son started playing Dungeons and Dragons in college. Really? And he got and he got her and her husband to play last weekend and they had a blast. That's and awesome. And they were hesitant at first. They were like, no, we're not going to play that. You know, that's yeah. silly, you know? And once they got down at the table, she was like, oh my God, it was actually a lot of fun. Like it was really such a good, a good time. So, you know, I think as more people check it out and maybe give, you know, are willing to, you know, just give it a shot for a, for a game. I think we're going to get more and more people into the, into the, into the game and it's just going to become more and more popular. How would you tell people to get into the game if they're if they're unaware or let, let's say they have a friend who is a little bit shy or hesitant to getting in the game? Um, how would you how would you advise people to talk to them or to those folks? I mean, I think you got to just kind of and I know it's kind of a crap answer, but I mean, you got to kind of just get them to you just got to be like, hey, come on, let's just try it. Like, try mm -hmm. it out. Play it once. If you really don't don't like it, we can stop it at any time. But but you know, give it give it a chance. See how it goes. Um, mm -hmm. I think it goes better if you already have like a pretty good group put together, and you okay. bring one person into a group that's already like a respectful group and a good group. Like I don't yeah. know that I would suggest anybody who hasn't played before showing up to a, a friendly local gaming store and jump into any random group because the problem with that is yeah. is you can get a, you know a wide variety of of people and um, personalities that are just going to drive you crazy. Yeah. And that, could, and that could turn a new player off immediately, right? Like that yeah. could be like, ah, ah, these people are weird. I'm I'm out. But if they're already your friend and they already like you, they know we're in, you know, you are weird in probably a good way. You know, you're not mm -hmm. a, yeah. a, a, a bad weird that might scare scare them off, you know? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with weird. It's just the, no, it's, it's, like it, it's like you said, it's, you might not know those personalities at the local game store because you just haven't gamed with them. Maybe and maybe going into a new environment with people who you don't know, it's going to give you – it could even give you know folks anxiety. So I, I actually that's really good advice and that's really good um, – that's really good direction. Um, one, one last thing um, before, um, before we wrap up here, or rather – you know, two things is one, first and foremost, um, what, and I, I kind of like to have, this is kind of more of a fun question. What is your favorite race class combination um, that you like just love to play, whether you beat it into the dirt or you don't, what, what's your favorite? Oh man. Um, so I'm one of those people who likes to play, not the ideal combos. Right. Okay. Like, I, I'm, I don't want to be like, OK, I'm going to play a blah, blah, because this race gives me this bonus and mm. this bonus matches up with this with this with this class. I mean, I've played a ton of stuff. Um, I've been lately kind of mixing more towards melee characters. OK. Um, I'm a big fan of like the fighter. I'm a big fan of the Artificer, actually. I'm playing an Artificer. I just played a game on an online game this morning where I'm playing a, 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 Hobgoblin, Ar a Hobgoblin Artificer, and it's been a it's been a pretty good time with that character. Awesome. Um, 
So, yeah, and one of my other characters that I played in the near past was a half-orc wizard, which was another one that Ooh. was kind of... Yeah, that was a fun one. So my wife and I were playing with Inked Mage at his house. We, we were playing a, a somewhat regular game with him. And, uh, you know, so I'm a half-orc. My mm-hmm. wife is a half elf, and we're and we're siblings. Um, oh, that's Ma, cool. Mom was a prostitute, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and two of her low, two of her best customers were an orc and an elf. And surprise, uh, here we have these these half orc and half elf that are that are like siblings. Um, and that's it was, legit. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. It was a good. It was a good a good time because I played him as a. He was a wizard, so he had a, like a 19 intelligence, so he's super smart. But I played him kind of naive and not really worldly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he grew up in a in a house of ill repute, shall, shall we say? Yeah. But he was but he was kind of like the big bouncer guy, right? Um, yeah. And so he, he kind of but he didn't go outside of it. Yeah. So he didn't know what the real but he was book smart, but not street smart at all. So and she was street street smart, but not book smart. So they kind of balanced each other out, and it was fun. And and it's and he, and honestly, your your character probably was like, well, this is like normal life, and like everyone loves me, and everyone kind of cares for me, and and yep. you know, I'm family, so yep. you know, whatever, like this this is it, like people, like these people are good people and whatnot, yep. like, and I like that that you're kind of playing against type in the sense because one idea that I've been encouraging people to do is to play against type, play for the story, right, yep. you know. Create that elven barbarian that, you know, has a specific that may be uh, an exile from their from their royal family or tribe or clan or whatever you call it. Play that. I think that really helps with the story. I don't know what you think about that, but I think that going against type really adds flavor to a story. Yeah, no, no. I love that. Um, For instance, so in Riverbreak. uh, what what I plan and actually this is something you could certainly join me for at some point. I'm going to be doing uh, some some videos on building archetypes for my Riverbreak game. Ooh. So I have I have an archetype for every class, and each archetype has like an area of the city that they're kind of based in. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the archetypes is a barbarian a barbarian archetype, and they are the they're the military for this for the city. So okay. my so my idea for the for the class, for the archetype, which I have to, these videos that I want to do are going to be building, mechanically build them, right? Um, mm-hmm. But the idea for them is they are the disciplined barbarians who, instead of raging out, they use that anger and that rage in their body to fuel to become more militaristic and more Ooh. like. And so I kind of have that idea of what I want to build. Um, in that archetype, and so again, kind of going against the whole idea of that's dope as of hell, the, man. Of the rage monster, you know, kind of like those guys that just use that rage and fuel their other stuff just to kind of check it out, you know. Well, it's one of those things too. It's like, you know, when people think of barbarian, they kind of forget Conan the barbarian. That Conan was actually like military, like smart, like yeah. militaristically, like tactically, strategically smart. Right. And a barbarian can be that. Maybe a bar, or heck, I mean, let's use the case of like, um, wh- whether it's historically accurate or not, we won't talk in, we won't go into it, but Mel Gibson's um, Braveheart. Yeah. Uh, his version of William Wallace was very much a barbarian that was schooled. Yeah. They viewed the, the English, you know, aristocracy viewed William Wallace as a barbarian. And maybe he was. He was barbaric in certain aspects, but he, you know, did what he did. He, I mean, I, I'd almost say that he was kind of like paladin slash barbarian, maybe. <laughs> maybe he, like, multiclassed. But, you know, it's one of those things that it's. I feel that the story, and again, folks, underline, the story is what's really important in a game like Dungeons & Dragons. Exactly. And again, I'm not in Pathfinder for sure as well. All those type of RPG, you know, those role-playing games that... We talk about it. Just so happens that Dungeons and Dragons, in my opinion, is kind of that tried and true game. You know, you and again, you can probably attest to this. It's gone through the additions. It's gone through time where it's matured. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can certainly tell you, is is Dungeons and Dragons the best system out there? No, but it's all around 
all around the best system out there. It's for, for sure. ease of for ease of play for and and what really makes it the best is the support that it's always that it's always had. If you look yep. at so in my opinion for fantasy games, mm-hmm. roll 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 master is probably the best detailed fantasy game out there. If you've never never played it, it's really good. Uh, but it's made by a little company that's been making it all these years, but it's a complicated system and you don't get the support you do with D&D. Like D&D, mm. you know, there's campaign settings and modules and books to do this and books to do that. And most other games don't have that kind of support. So yeah. even though I'm homebrewing everything anyway, right, it doesn't really matter at this at this point, but if I needed support, if I needed, you know, the great thing about D&D has always been the modules and stuff. We're like, okay, um, yeah. I've been I've been really busy for the last two weeks, and I haven't been able to write something. But I have friends coming over on Friday, and it's Monday, mm-hmm. so I can just read this module and run them through through the through the module, yep. and then we can get back to my campaign stuff later. Yep, one hundred percent. And that's what's really made D&D all around the best game, in my opinion, is just the, just the support it's 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 always had for for that exact reason. You know, it's you can even do something. You know, and and I agree with you. You can even put into play like, hey, I want to take a little bit of a break. I've actually, and again, I've historically talked about this in post where I've said, hey, take some of the stuff that you like from a module, include it in your game. If it's a homebrewer, you know, the Wizards of the Coast, you know, D and you know, the company Dungeons and Dragons is not the type of I'm going to wag my finger and say you can't do this. On the contrary, they're the opposite. But do you know, purchase Tales of Yawning Portal and incorporate that into your game. Maybe what you do in your homebrew, you say, you know what, I'm going to take a break from some of this stuff that we that that we're doing because I I just don't have the time to write right now, but I have this module. I'm going to incorporate it and say you find yourself at the at the you know the yawn you know at this tavern. Cool. And now you get a quest like there's our there you know there's the quest board for you to you could do so many different things or you can yeah. say hey you wake up and now you're in this really weird town that you weren't you know in or that you were teleported. Let's say you teleported and guess what now you're in this weird dark town there's a lot of crows and you know now you're in barovia you yeah. can you can you can or you're i mean I, I i i'm waiting for the day where they make dark sun for fifth edition but that's just me um, yeah, yeah for sure you can do so many different things and that's where i think again i would say is D the ultimate best the the you know the 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 perfect system no it's not but when you take everything that it offers it is top quality, um, at least that's Absolutely. my experience and opinion on it, especially coming from my gaming background, right? You know, video games are great. I don't know if you play any video games or if you're playing any video games right now, but video games are great. Diablo's great. World of Warcraft's great. But that's a video game. That, that That's different. It's not... It, you you don't have the same community that you get from D and D where you can quite have players who and, and you know these players are great players but for them what I've noticed is that they do really well when I say hey the this is the town this is everything right mm-hmm. and then when I present them and again this is for things that are not attached to them. Um, you know, they want to know, oh, where's the local butcher? Oh, where's the blacksmith and things like that? Okay, I'll give it to them. But I have to prepare them in advance if I'm going to say, hey, listen, like, what is your sister's name that you mentioned? I'm not, you know, they know we have trust where it's like, I'm not going to do anything to that. Um, You know, I'm not going to do anything deadly unless it's a, you know, circumstance in which, hey, you know what? Every action has a reaction. Yep. Um, Actions have consequences. That's right. So, you know, with all that being said, a lot of folks might be hearing this and might be thinking, dang, like, I don't even know to where I don't even know where to begin. Logan, what do you recommend people, you know, who are first DMing or first playing starting out, but they want, you know, just like you and I, we found that we found our love for building lore and building worlds. What would you tell folks to to start out? How would you tell them to start out? So when I started... Uh, I remember that I had just watched 
an episode of Critical Role, and it inspired me to kind of look up some other videos on dungeon mastering. So I went to YouTube <laughs> and found Matt Colville. Um, and you know, he the, the one of the the best advice or one of the best pieces of advice that I learned from his running the game thing was, you know, starting with a map and using them like creating the world. Right. Mm. And so for some, mm. that's really intimidating and like, oh, well, how do I build a world if I don't know what don't know what the, I want the world to look like? Well, for me, just sitting down and starting to draw was kind of just that. Right. Yeah. You know, like I drew I started with uh, I don't have many of them around me, uh, but I started with drawing what the main continent of Cantor would look like. And I only mm -hmm. started with one continent because at that point in time, I wanted to create this giant, almost like, you know, American. I'm let him out. Give me two seconds. No, you're good. So folks, you know, who are listening to this right now, really cool thing about um, D, you know, Logan from DM screening is Cool thing is that Logan and I, we've talked about world building often, and it seems like <laughs> I laugh because it seems like every time we talk about world building, him and it's I. It's a rabbit hole. It, Sorry. It is. It is a <laughs> rabbit hole, folks. Like, so again, for this, this, I guess, you know what? This is our disclaimer. If you're going to get into world building, just get ready for the sweet, sweet rabbit hole that it is. For anyway, real. Continue. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd say, I'd say my best advice would be to start with a map. Um, and the reason why I think for that is because you the the best thing about being a dungeon master and being a world builder is that or in a war master is that you have control over everything, yeah. right? So so why you know sit there and say oh is there a mountain there and question yourself if if you draw your map and you put a mountain range there you're like I hate this well guess what gods can wipe away mountains yeah. you know so you just you mm -hmm. know take your eraser scratch or you know cross it out erase it get rid yeah. of it move on right you, yep. you know i went through two or three drafts of the same thing before i finally got the the look that i wanted for my map and then when yeah. i got it i started saying okay now where are all the major civil like where are the big cities once all my cities were down where are my you know and i have a tier system where it's cities towns and then villages and i only do those three yeah there are some smaller settlements here and there but it's really you know, either it's a big city, it's a medium-ish town, or it's a small village. Mm. Um, and that's how I kind of prepare the players for like, all right, you're going into the village of Welton, right? Mm -hmm. Where, you know, now they know, okay, cool, maybe has like a couple thousand people at the most, like maybe a thousand people at the most. Um, and it's probably on the lower socioeconomic side, unless it does something kind of cool, or yeah. has an interest in trade or hobby, right? Uh, or not hobby, but trade that goes through there. Um, but no, I'd say start with a map, get everything down, and just start putting places on the map. You know, draw mountains. And, you, you know, you don't have to be an amazing cartographer uh, in order to draw a map. You know, I, I literally just did the little uh, upside-down Vs, yeah. upside Vs for the for the mountain ranges. Yep. Um, I did... Um, I did just little circles for the for the forest where I wanted forests and trees, um, you know, for plains. I kind of left blank um, yeah. and, and you know, water, obviously. And I obviously colored it in when I was done. It was very it was very nice, just kind of stress relief thing, too. But, uh, you know, seeing this, that this is your playground and this is where yeah. you can start was it was very it was nice for me. That's it was it was a good place to begin. And I, you know, I actually did something very similar where I took, you know, pencil and paper. I, t I actually took this like old coloring, it's like this like parchment paper from like, you know, just kids coloring paper, like just mm -hmm. blank. And you and that's what I did. I would, at, you know, during my lunch breaks at work, I would draw in the continent, you know, this, the, the, it was actually originally the continent of Acopia. Now it's kind of you know, I, I still refer to it as the continent of Acopia, but, you know, I, I started out with, okay, where are the human cities, where are the elvish cities and the dwarven cities, and, you know, where are the towns of the of the, of the the halflings, and where would the gnomes be? Oh, well, I don't want to stuff them too, you know, I, I started thinking, and I started asking myself questions yes. like, okay, why are they here, you know, okay, well, maybe, the, and again, I was, I'm inspired by Lord of the Rings for sure. But from mm -hmm. a world building perspective, 
like I think Tolkien did really well with mythology and lore. Yeah. He did fantastic. George R. R. Martin, on the other hand, took everything and gave it a reason why. Mm-hmm. You know, on the you know, when you and I were talking with all the other fabulous people and, and our uh, round table and you know in our panel discussion, something that I mentioned is that George R. R. Martin always gives a reason why. He gives an explanation. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's an ex you know, there's a reason why you know, if you haven't read the books, but like um, you know, spoiler alert, but the fall of Valyria, like, why did it fall? Well, this happened. Even yeah. if it's a little, you know, it doesn't give too much evidence, it's still a reason. And that's what you folks can also do when you're building your world. Guess what? You can say, well, you know what? It just is because the gods decided it. Very yeah. simple. Yeah, that's I mean, yeah, you you know, one of the best things in life, one of the best adv- pieces of advice uh, in life that I kind of give myself is keep it simple, stupid. Right. Like yep. it's that idea that like, why do I need to overcomplicate things for myself? You know, and this is that's I use this in general life, but especially when dungeon mastering, you know, when I can when I can say, oh, it's old history. Now, you don't make that as you know, your scapegoat where it's like every single time a player asks you a tough question. You know, it's a yeah. question you're saying, oh, it's the gods did this. You know, you don't, you know, by the 50th time that you've said it in a row, your players are going to start looking at you and saying, hey, why aren't you building lore? Obviously build some meaningful lore. But, yeah. you know, when in doubt, honestly, one of the things I do, too, and I don't know about you, but when in doubt, improvise and, and I don't know if I'm allowed oh, yeah. to swear. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, but bullshit, you know. Yeah, no, like, you're allowed. You're like, allowed. I mean, you know, it's one of those things that it's. I, as a teacher, improvising is something that I have to do kind of on a, on the fly, so it comes yeah. naturally to me. And as a dungeon master, that's one of the things I love the most about the game is that, you know, one day me and one of my players sat down and we had a whole, me and him had a whole two-way conversation while the rest of the party watched about the lore of the Feywild. And he mm. knew nothing about the Feywild. I did a decent amount of research, but didn't really know enough to actually like pander it and and say hey this is what the lore and the history of it is but by the end all of my players were like wow did you guys like like that wasn't scripted was it i'm like no that was all just me and him going back and forth and and you know improvising our way through it um that's so that you see that that's just so cool dude like (laughs) like let's like that's what i that that's why i love like dnd's a freaking like, you know, it's one of those things that you're, it's just freaking awesome. Yeah. Like, you know, and actually, I, you know, I was going to ask you, well, I guess what's your favorite part of playing D&D, but I think you kind of answered it right there. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Hands down. I, it's It's got to be the fact that, you know, there are sessions that I, you know, you as a dungeon master, you always go prepped for into a session prepped. But there are times where two seconds into the session, you're already down that rabbit yep. hole of improv where everything you have to do now is off the cuff and that's the fact that the game can be so structured yet Mm -hmm. unstructured is probably one of my favorite things about it one thing that i did with one of my players they were asking about some lore and i will be 100 100 honest i didn't decide on it i had two things though that i was thinking so in the role play aspect I was like, well, you know, the gods, you know, the gods created this and became mad with their creation and then, you know, destroyed it and then this and then and kind of explained it. And then I said, well, in other legends, you know, this happened. Yeah. So you have and two sides of the coin. That's really cool. Exactly. And my players were like, well, wait a minute. What, which one's the truth? And very much like our own, you know, we, we, we look at, you know, Arthurian legend. Mm hmm. First and foremost, Arthurian legend is going to be different depending on who you talk to. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, historically speaking, the Welsh have a different interpretation of Arthurian legend versus, you know, the Anglo-Saxon Englishman. Mm-hmm. Like the Welsh and the English have two distinct um, views on Arthur and then go to like the Scots. And the Irish who, you know, even the Irish, like they weren't even (laughs) Arthurian legend. (laughs) What? Like, you know, it's the um, 
I'm trying to remember that it's to, I don't know how to pronounce it, so I don't want to mess it up and, and insult that culture. But it's a completely different lore altogether. Um, I think it's a Tawatha de, uh, de. Yep, I know what you're talking about. I yes. don't know how to pronounce it, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and for folks out there listening, I you know I completely butchered it, and I shouldn't because one of my favorite games is. Um, for the PS3, it's actually this great game called Kingdoms of Amalur. So it, and if you haven't played the game, really check it out because it's given me great inspiration um, for D and D. Um, and and actually, that's something that I wanted to ask you. Um, kind of, I always try to ask people like how. You know, yes, to how they got into D and D, but what inspires you to play D and D? Like, did you pull from any type of, you know, worlds, or did you just kind of like, you know, go at it from scratch? When I created my world, I kind of just went at it from scratch. But, but obviously, I've you're you're kind of I don't want to say two faced if if you say like, oh, I did it from scratch, you know, because like mm-hmm. obviously there's people who did it that haven't read all these books but like obviously i pulled some from lord of the rings i pulled stuff from game for of sure. thrones i for you know sure. obviously i was watching critical role so i pulled a lot from from exandria mercer's world um you know i've i've read books like aragon like i'm a very i'm a history major uh so i've read uh, you know medieval history and that sort of stuff really five to the inspires me yeah uh, <laughs> you know you know historical fiction and uh fantasy novels were really the types of books that I loved reading growing up. And so when I started world building, it was like that pool of information and lore and knowledge that I'd gained over the years from reading these books just kind of went bleh and just yeah. vomited out of me as I started to write. It's also the Tuatha de Danan. So there we go. That's okay, folks. So I was able to redeem myself <laughs> a little. Uh, yeah, but I mean, and I think that's kind of, and I, yeah, I've played video games, you know, I played World of Warcraft, I played, mm-hmm. you know, um, I played at the Elder Scrolls series, and those were really inspiring as well. But again, those are a different type of, those are a different type of role playing game. And it's a different yeah, type for sure. of setting, because even though you're, even though the games, and now if you go back to, to the, the very vanilla World of Warcraft, you're just some guy. Yeah. Right. You're yeah. just some guy who yeah. goes on adventures and, yeah, you kill some important people and that's about it. But, you know, modern day World of Warcraft is very, oh, you're the champion. Like, haha, thank welcome aboard, you know, and that's. Yeah. It's, and that's, that's, yeah. So that's that type of stuff. I was very I loved the the, the quests and the, the cool the 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 types of missions you'd go on from the original, you know, the original. Wow. I'm that's a what of I, classic. Wow. Yeah, classic. Well, I was and I played classic. It was really good. Um, but that's you know those right. types of things were where I really drew. I really drew my inspiration from. Yeah, and you know it's funny that you mentioned that because um, I gamed, but it wasn't to the extent that I wanted to. Again, just having like I you know growing up where I you know in in the background that I grew up with. Um, my brother and I used to play a lot of games, but due to our financial circumstances, if we could play a game that was two player, great. But they didn't offer too many games that were two player like yeah. that, mm-hmm. um, that were fantasy based, especially because him and I loved fantasy. I mean, you know, heck, we're in our 30s and <laughs> we will still go out into the forest and, and recreate some type of Lord of the Rings scene. Oh, yeah, that was we what we care. That's what we did, though. Like, I remember a lot of my, you know, when Lord of the Rings came out, I had a little mini forest preserve behind my house that, you know, had a little field and they would use the um, giant wooden stakes and they put them in the field. And whenever they did that, like the next day, me my brother and all my buddies would run out into the field, pull them out and use them as swords and spears, you know, and we'd go into the forest and, and essentially like LARP and role play. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, looking back now as somebody who does that at a table with all of his friends it's not it's not any different the only difference is that the only difference is that i probably couldn't run around as much as i did back then (laughs) but but other than that i mean it's you know it's i doubt that bro you can we'll we'll give you plus five stamina dude plus five stamina there we go i love it um but no it's definitely one of those things where it's like as long as your imagination is running this game's for you 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's nothing that there's nothing that can stop you. There really is. Uh, yeah, man. And that's where, I, you know, something to the D&D community and, and, you know, that we I know would always hearken is like continue cr- growing that mm-hmm. um, imagination. Keep, continue mm-hmm. to cultivate it. It's something, you know, whether you read books, watch movies read manga comic you know comic books a lot of people don't think about this but uh something that i'm going to be talking about in a further in a future episode of the podcast is comic books help out really nicely with world building Mm -hmm. uh you know it's one of those things where comic books um you basically are reading certain chapters of a story and you are seeing the world build incrementally you're seeing how the characters are going through the world and they're going through xyz things so in my mind i think well reading comic books is going to help build that it's like a skill tree you know for those of you playing who play skyrim or anything like that or any type of you know video game when you read books when you watch movies when you you know watch anime or read manga or comic whatever you're doing or interacting, playing in other games, playing other um, RPG games, playing other video games, things of that nature. You're building, you're looking at things through the lens of a world builder or whatever lens you choose. And you're saying, ooh, I like this. I think I'm going to use it in my game. You know, I something as a musician um, I notice is that when I hear covers of different songs, I actively hear how people um, basically interpret a song. So that, you know, Prince, um, the artist or the artist known as Prince before he passed away, Prince used to hear songs and he used to say, "Ooh, I like this and this is what I would do. It's the same thing as a world builder. A world builder can take a book, a movie, a video game, whatever, play it, interact with it and say, you know what? I really love this aspect. This is what I'm going to do. So with all that being said, um my one of my last questions that I want to ask is with your D&D community right now um mm-hmm. or with the D&D community in your area um what is the one thing that you want to see or what you want to introduce into your community So the area that I live in it's there's not much of a D&D community I mean maybe there I guess maybe the wording that is that I probably haven't gone out and searched for the D&D community as much as I would like. Yeah. Um, it happens. You know, I, I do play in a couple, I do play in a couple different games with, uh, I run a game and then play in two other ones in my area um, that all, you know, are all different groups. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I, I'd like to see more growth out of it. Now it, it's kind of yeah. hard now, but I mean, even the couple comic stores that I went into when I first moved here, I was like, Hey, I want to get a weekly thing going here. You know, yeah. how, what, what can we do? Uh, and there wasn't really a response. Mm. There wasn't. And I feel like a lot of the, the part of the problem of why sometimes finding a D and D community or a group is so tough is that places like you know i just i had just moved to philadelphia at the time or the philadelphia area at the time and i'm going comic shop to comic shop and these comic shops are saying well there's no money in it for us so we're not going to host these events Mm. well i agree but at the same time how do you know that you know if if you buy some like i bought i used to you know back when i lived in chicago i bought at least two boxes of minis every day every time i went there you know, yeah. that's 30 bucks a week. I'm given a, a given a place. And yep. there were there were 10 of us that played every week, yep. you know, and I wasn't the only one. Like it was to the point where they ran out of like there would be days if I didn't get there early enough to start. There would there wouldn't be any boxes for me to buy because everybody yeah. buy them up by the end, by the time I got there. And that's the one thing that's kind of lacking is that where I live, at least that there aren't these places that are saying, hey, come play here. Or if they are, they're saying, hey, come play here, but we're going to get we're going to co- give you a cover charge. And at that point, I'm just going to play in my apartment. You know? Yeah, no, I agree with you, man. Like, it's one of those things The see my community here is pretty cool where the one of the well, all the game stores I've been in. So shout out to your local. So there's a place actually that's called your local game store uh, mm-hmm. in Charlotte. So shout out to your local game store. Shout out to. 
um, uh, Parker Banner, Kent Wayne, which is uh, one that's close by me, Buzz City Games, you know, three game stores that, well, Parker Banner, Kent Wayne is also a comic book shop, but point is you can go there and say, hey, I want to play D&D or mm-hmm. hey, when's your Adventure League? Oh, it's on Wednesday. Cool. I'm going to play Adventure League. I mean, I remember <laughs> I remember when I went to um, your local game store, they were like, oh, hey, Brian, are you here for Adventures League? And I was like, not really, but I'll definitely play if you need me to. And he's like, awesome. Here you go. Here's a character sheet. Yeah. Like, not really, but now I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's one of those things. It's like you're you know, at least here, I think, because it's the South. And just culturally, we are, you know, we kind of went through the satanic panic together Mm -hmm. and then we got out of it together and we all kind of just are, you know, we're really chill about stuff. So, I mean, obviously now with everything going on with COVID-19, which I'm actually really, of course, nerds would totally make fun of COVID-19 by naming a character in a meat grinder coronavirus. Yeah. I love that. that. I love that. that Arthur Arthur did that. That was so awesome. Yeah. So for folks who who may or may not know, we had in our meat grinder session, uh, Arthur, um, <laughs> he created a, a character that was called Corona Virus, like V Y. It was fantastic. Yeah. He didn't. Yeah. The the best part was though is that he didn't spell it like the way that coronavirus is obviously spelled mm-hmm. but it but, but he spelled it in a way that like you know just looking at it you're like ah i see what you did there all right yep Good for you and, and and only nerds would do that we yeah. we would be those type of people to do that so i feel like you know for the folks out there listening for the you know who are wondering well i want to start world building i want to start doing all this stuff but i don't have a community reach out reach out to your local yeah. games and, you, and I don't know what you think, Logan, but reach out to your game stores online, Facebook mm-hmm. or Meetup or whatever, especially during this time, and say, hey, who's interested in this? And find that group, talk and, and you know, collaborate. Yeah. The few things that I did is I went to – uh, the first thing I did – the few, first few things I did was I went to my local game, uh, game stores and comic book shops and was like, hey, I want to start an Adventure League type thing here. Like, mm-hmm. can you do it? And there were a couple that were like, yeah, we can do it. Like, and I, you know, I had flyers and stuff. And so mm-hmm. I got some, but I didn't really get a very solid response from that. Maybe because it's not as popular out where I live. I don't know. Um, but then I found the app called Meetup and yep. I found a couple of D&D communities there. And I was like, hey, I'm a dungeon master. I'm looking to start a game. I'm looking for maybe five to six players. I had people contact me and we played at a game store. We found a game store that was kind of central to all of us to play at. We played there for about uh, maybe a month or two. And then we decided, hey, let's transition to my apartment. And so we so we, you know, obviously moved to my apartment and now we play every other week um, from my apartment and that's been going for about yeah two years now that's so awesome. I, yeah i mean and it's really just reaching out there and you know yeah you know it, it says something that like i moved here in uh i moved here july 1st and i had mm-hmm. a party i had a party of players ready to go on adventure on an adventure before august 1st so in less than a month i had met six people that wanted to play D, got together made characters and started playing together um when i knew absolutely nobody other than my fiance yeah you know and so that that says something right there it's like just just finding people and reaching out and and being even if you're introverted or if you're you're you know kind of a shut-in being that little bit of an extrovert saying hey i want to start a game um and now with everything going on with covid it's even easier to do that because you don't have to go meet people you know i could say i for all you, you know, I, I can sit here in my pajamas and and, and dungeon master for my friends, uh, yeah, which is yeah, what I've, <laughs> which is what which is what I've been doing. But <laughs> that's the right way to do it, you know. Uh, but that's you know that's a good way to get a party too, um, and even get started online. Um, there's no there's nothing wrong with playing a game on Roll Twenty or on um, on Discord or wherever else you can play like Skype and stuff like that um, with people who. You know, I've, I've been playing with Fable 42, and most of them are from the West Coast. You know, I'm, I'm from Philly. Most of them are from mm-hmm. San Francisco and Seattle and 
you know, all of those places. And uh, it's it's really cool being able to play with people from across the world or across the United States um, in games online. Yeah, uh, that's one thing that that this whole situation has really taught me is that the community is is really, really, really hungry uh, for for content into play. Um, mm-hmm. Like even my players are like, hey, can we play like twice a week now? And I'm like, no. <laughs> like for my home game, I'm like, no, we're not doing that. I don't have enough content. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear that. I hear that. Um, but, you know, and that's perfect, man. Like that's actually a great way for me. Like, you know, not only for what I need, you know, I it's funny. I needed to hear that just because during this time we all need a little encouragement. But, you know, folks like this is the perfect time to do that thing you wanted to do and in the regards of like, you know what, I'm going to start a game. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to write one page of my world and and go from there. So with all that being said, Logan, where can folks find you um, to follow you and to follow your, your, uh, your adventures? Yeah. So I'm uh, a couple different places. I, uh, you you can find me on Instagram at DM underscore screening. Um, I do a lot of dungeon master player world building kind of, a motley of everything tips and tricks and you know some pictures of my games that i run um and i have a bunch of links to my youtube channel and uh a blog page that i kind of write write when i have some time mm-hmm. um you guys can also find me on the fabled 42 twitch channel uh which is twitch.tv slash fabled 42 if i said that correct um where i play in the uh, adventures in middle earth game like brian said earlier and then i also will be starting at the end of may the cantor chronicles which is set in my home world of cantor uh so yeah that's where you can find me well i appreciate you being on the podcast logan i really do i appreciate the audience for sticking by and listening and hoping (laughs) you that you all enjoyed the show and enjoyed us just talking about world building and just D&D and culture. If you did like today's episode, please do me a favor. Um, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on social media. And if you ever have a topic that you want to discuss, always be sure to send us a message. Um, we'd love to answer you and to just talk with you all. So have a great day. And as always, folks, keep gaming. See you guys. <laughs>